Praise your name. Hallelujah. You may be seated uh, tonight in the name of the Lord. We're so happy to see everyone here tonight. Didn't we have a good time in the Holy Ghost this past Sunday? Hallelujah. We have enjoyed the presence of the Lord thoroughly. Uh, week one, we honored our past. Week two, we celebrated our present. Now, this coming Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we will not be having a campaign-themed service uh, because we're going to take time simply to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's a, that's a campaign theme all in, its, all in itself. And we're going to be giving God the praise and the glory. And we'll be having two services, 8.30 a.m., uh, 11 a.m. These services will be identical to one another uh, as, far as, the, as far as the format. Uh, but we know that God's going to minister to, to anybody and everybody who is in either one of those services. So come expecting God to move and bring people because there's going to be hopefully uh, a good seat for uh, you and your guests. Uh, that's why we have the two services so that we can have plenty of room uh, for everybody. Amen. So we're looking forward to a great time this coming Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Of course, Saturday is our Easter egg extravaganza. And uh, this is a great time to reach out to the community. The community really responds, and it gives us an opportunity to let them know there's a tree of life in their city that is eager to reach them and to bless them and their families. So, so come bring your friends and, 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 and introduce them to uh, Tree of Life Church. Uh, we do want to say, uh, of course, on a much more solemn note, uh, as, as, as many know, most know, uh, our dear pastor Pasley has passed away this past weekend. We announced it on this Sunday. This is, of course, a very severe loss uh, on this earth. Uh, but we know that, that uh, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, uh, and so, we, so we rejoice in knowing that he made his calling and election sure. And, uh, you know, as we were contemplating the fact that when he gets into the presence of the Lord, uh, he's going to be greeted by a great cloud of witnesses, uh, those that have gone before him. Uh, his parents and his elders and, uh, and folks that have paved the way. And then I began to think about, because he was a big believer in giving to missions, and I began to think about all of the people who he has never met but are going to greet him because they came to the Lord through the sacrificial giving to missions. There's a great cloud of witnesses that, that, that we don't even know yet. We didn't meet them on this earth, but they've gone on to be with the Lord. And because of giving to missions, they're covered by the blood and they're filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. And we give God the praise for that. Please do remember the Pasley family in your prayers. Please do remember the Calvary Church family in your prayers. And this is a very difficult time, but we know that the Lord is going to be their portion. And that the Lord is going to comfort them and, to, and guide them. I also want to uh, take some time uh, before we uh, go into the word of the Lord this evening uh, to pray for uh, Pastor Don Cox in Milford, Ohio, who uh, has been suffering from uh, cancer for some time and has been given a very short amount of time to live. But we know that God is a healer. Hallelujah. We know that God is a healer. We know that God is able. He's exceeding abundantly able to do above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And I want us to bind together right now and call Brother Cox's name out before the Lord in prayer and ask God to intervene in his body, intervene in this disease that has come against him in the name of Jesus Christ, mighty God of heaven and earth, creator of all things therein. Lord, we bring Brother Cox before you right now in the name of Jesus Christ and we ask that you minister healing to his body Lord the same healing virtue that touched the woman with the issue of blood and healed her 
instantaneously cleansed her. I pray, oh God, that you would heal Brother Don Cox in Jesus' name. We pray the prayer of faith over his body from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. Let the power of the Holy Ghost move upon him right now, oh God, my Savior, my King, Redeemer and friend. We thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you that we can call upon you. We pray for Sister Cox right now that you would give her comfort, that you would give her peace of mind, that you would increase her faith right now right where they stand Lord I pray that you'll send angels ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation Lord God let your rod and your staff comfort them hallelujah be a fence all about them we pray in Jesus name Lord let your name be magnified let your name be magnified we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for paying it all. We thank you for subduing every sickness and every sin, for subduing every principality and every power, and giving us victory in the precious name of Jesus. And we claim that victory for Brother Cox right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Could we praise God right now? Could we give God praise right now? Thank you, Lord. 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 Brother Cox, speaking of, speaking of uh, international influence, Brother Cox's father witnessed to a co-worker that he was working with, a, a gentleman by the name of Richardson. And, uh, and as he ministered to him and witnessed to him, it was just a random witnessing. And, uh, and, and the seed found good ground. And this Mr. Richardson came to church. He was convinced of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He believed. He repented of his sins. He was baptized in Jesus' name, and the Lord filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this uh, uh, Brother Richardson began to grow in grace and in the knowledge of God, and he developed a burden for, of all places, Madagascar, just a, a little island off of Africa, and, uh, and he just, it was kind of an obscure little place, but God put it upon his heart to go preach the gospel in Madagascar, who had never received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, our dear friend, Pastor David Myers, was there last year, and he called me and he said, he said, uh, Joel, do you have any idea what's going on in Madagascar? Now, Brother Richardson went there, this was 50, 50 years ago, 60 years ago when he went. And his sons continued in the gospel there. And his grandsons continued in the gospel there. And, uh, and now Madagascar, there are hundreds of thousands of people that have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Last year, 200,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the nation of Madagascar. And it all started... Because a man, Brother Cox's father, who was a part of Tree of Life Church years ago, witnessed to a co-worker the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You never know how far a seed is going to travel. I said, you never know how far a seed is going to travel. So don't be afraid to open up your mouth and declare the word of the Lord to those that God has put in your path. Amen. We are so delighted to have with us Brother Azalini. And before I begin teaching the word of the Lord, I'm going to ask him to come and greet you. This is a wonderful evangelist, powerful preacher of the gospel. And uh, we look forward to having him come back to preach sometime. But he showed up and surprised us. He's with his uh, mother, Sister Mitchell, whom we love very much. We're very glad to see Brother and Sister Azalini. Come and greet us, our good friend. Let's give him a great big hand clap. Praise the Lord, church. Feels so good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. My family and I love Tree of Life Church. Many of you may not know me, but we know you. We listen to your podcasts on a regular basis. I've shared with your pastor that your podcast has been a blessing to me many, many times while I've been on the road. And I'm so thankful for the root of faith that is growing up here in Cincinnati, Ohio. As you were singing that song tonight, Sometimes when it feels like we're surrounded, we're surrounded by him. I could not help but think of the servants of Elisha 
They were surrounded by the enemy. But Elisha prayed that the Lord would open their eyes. And he said, fear not, for those that be with us are more than they that be with them. Whatever has surrounded you tonight, I want you to know that the Lord is surrounding you this evening. I love the faith and the presence of the Lord that I feel here at Tree of Life Church tonight. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise God. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Brother Azzalini. And we thank God for this wonderful family and the work of the Lord that they're doing. And uh, we just give God praise. It's so good to see Brother and Sister Meadows here tonight. Sister Meadows has been here the last few weeks. But Brother Meadows is fresh off the deputation trail. Amen. He's been in Florida and Louisiana and uh, preaching and raising money for that wonderful church that God has gone before them to already begin sowing seeds in New York City. And we're excited about that. And we are looking forward, looking forward. Hallelujah. We're looking forward to what God is going to do, and we're in the midst of a great revival, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the middle of a great revival, and, uh, and I, want, I want whatever God is doing right here, I want that to just go plant itself in New York City right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray over people that Brother Metters and Sister Metters haven't even met yet, but God, you're already preparing their hearts, making tender their spirits. Lord, you're already paving the path, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, wipe away every obstacle that would stand in the way, every plot that the enemy would try to place in that path. In Jesus' name, uproot the works of the enemy, and let the gospel of Jesus Christ shine. Amen. And the anointing of God be upon the matters as they go forth. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to look into uh, the word of the Lord this evening, and uh, we're going to be teaching tonight on the subject impossible things impossible things uh, the bible uh, speaks of uh, various things that are impossible now we know that uh, with god all things are possible and uh, and so we're going to talk not only about what is uh, impossible but we're also going to be talking about what is possible and uh, i want to i want to uh, begin by by turning your attention to the gospel according to Matthew. And we're just, going to, we're just going to look into a few verses of scriptures. Interestingly enough, Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, all make a reference to this uh, particular uh, experience that Jesus had in that a rich young ruler uh, approached him in verse number 16 and said to him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, which? Which one? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Now this is an interesting statement uh, that, that, that he makes because he is the judge of, of, of the fact that he has kept all of these commandments. I have kept all these. I've done no murder. I have committed no adultery. I have, I have honored my father and mother. He said, I, I have not stolen. I have not borne false witness. And furthermore, I have loved my neighbor as myself. And, and so, so he said, now, now tell me, what more do I need to do? And Jesus said to him, him if you will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. N you know, not everybody got that invitation. There were some people who were delivered of Jesus, blessed of Jesus, healed of Jesus, and, and, and then asked if they could follow him. And Jesus said, no, you're going to stay right here, and you're going to reach the people in this vicinity. And, and you're going to reach your family and you're going to reach your friends. But he looks at this rich young ruler and he says, I want you to come 
and follow me. He receives the same invitation that Peter received, the same invitation that, that the other disciples received, but his response was different than theirs. When he heard that he had to sell all that he had and give to the poor, then, then this was something that was very sorrowful to him. He went away sorrowful for he had great, he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God. All things are possible. And so I want to concentrate on these two things. And I, want to fo- I do want to focus on the things the Bible refers to as impossible things. And, and I want us never, never to move away from the anchoring truth that with God, all things are possible. Because the Bible, this is a big word. This is one of those big words. This is one of those final words. This is one of those human words, earthly words, that is connected to our cursed earth. That word, impossible. And it is an intimidating word. uh, Especially when you consider that Jesus himself uses it. You know, it's not as intimidating when just some ordinary person uses it. And you think, well, they might have not the correct context or they might not fully understand the weight of what it is they're saying but when God in flesh says that it is it is impossible for a rich man that has great possessions and is tied to them and connected to them it is impossible for him to enter into the kingdom of heaven in terms of being willing to part with what he has accumulated on earth and this is a this is a heavy 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 statement so heavy that the rich young ruler walked away from the presence of Jesus exceedingly sorrowful for when he heard the saying for he had great possessions but Jesus did not conclude by saying with men this is impossible he went on to say with god all things are possible matthew chapter 17 if you go just a little bit uh uh further or a little bit earlier than that uh you begin to read what jesus said in the uh book of matthew chapter 17 verse number 14 when they came to the multitude there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him saying lord have mercy on my son for he is lunatic and sore vexed for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water i brought him to the disciples and they could not cure him then jesus answered and said "O faithless and perverse generation how long shall i be with you how long shall i suffer you bring him to me jesus rebuked the devil he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour Then came the disciples of Jesus to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Your unbelief played a role in this man's lack of deliverance. And then he goes on to say, For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, You shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So so he he explains to them that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, now I understand what he's, he's saying there. I think it's twofold, actually. I don't believe he's simply referring to the size of the faith. Uh, There is... There is the fact that, you know, we sing the song, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. And we shout to it. And I think it's all right to shout to it. You know, it is true. Whatever faith you've got, put it in Jesus. And he can, he can, make, he can make the miraculous take place in your life. No questions about that. But there were other times where miracles didn't take place. And Jesus would rebuke the disciples for having little faith. 
So it's not so much the size of the faith that he's telling them to have as much as it is the way that the mustard seed is dependent upon the word of God. Faith as a grain of a mustard seed. In other words, the, the mustard seed, in another place, Matthew 13, he describes that the grain of a mustard seed, the mustard seed is the least of all seeds. And, and that when it's deposited into the earth, it's the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs. And so the, the mustard seed faith has more to do with being surrendered to the principles of God. It has more to do with I'm submitted, I'm surrendered, I'm planted into the ground, I'm dead, I'm dead to myself, have your way in me. And he said if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed. See the mustard seed doesn't have a will. The mustard seed's will is completely surrendered to God. It's the same reason why when he said, let there be light, there was light. The light was completely obedient and surrendered to the word of God. If we'll be completely obedient and surrendered to the word of God, ladies and gentlemen, nothing shall be impossible unto you. So, so notice what he said. And I, I've, I, I, it, this really opened up to me a, a little differently as I was reading it and pondering it. He said that if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, so if you have this faith that's completely surrendered and completely dependent on God and, and, and lost to itself, crucified in and of itself, and, and is, is submitted into the principles of God, then you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and then shall it remove, and then nothing shall be impossible unto you. The reason that we haven't moved many times as individuals serving God into that dimension of nothing being impossible is because we have not yet removed the mountain. There are mountains in our life that we refuse to speak to, we refuse to confront, we refuse to deal with, we refuse to address the mountains. And we, hold, we have church around the mountain, we shout around the mountain, we sing around the mountain, but bless God, don't ask me to deal with that mountain. That mountain, this is part of my life. You don't understand, this mountain has been a part of my scenery since I was a child. This mountain has been a part of the landscape of my mind for as long as I can remember. Well, if you continue to romanticize the, the placement of the mountain in your life, if you continue to hold on to the mountain as a part of the perpetual topography of your life, then you will forever live on this side of the impossible. But God wants to take you on to the other side of the impossible where nothing shall be impossible unto you. He wants to remove you from, from this side. But, but many people never move into the dimension of nothing shall be impossible. Now, we understand that when we pray, we pray according to God's will. There are some things, ladies and gentlemen, that are simply the will of God. And it is our job to pray. It is our job to be intercessors. And, and yet we understand that if it is the Lord's will for a particular thing to happen, and, and then we don't even want our prayers to change that. Because God's will is above all else. It is superior to any logic that man may possess. And so, so but, but our job is to pray. Our job is to speak to mountains and see them removed. So if there's a mountain in your life, whatever that mountain is, and you probably know what it is. Maybe you don't. Maybe the Lord has to reveal that to you. What is the mountain in your life? What is that thing that stands in the path that you have continually labored over trying to get past it. It could be a childhood experience. It could be some kind of a trauma mentally, emotionally. It could be some kind of a false doctrine, a, a lie that you believed about yourself and, and that you have continued to believe that lie. Maybe, I don't know what the mountain is, but I'm telling you, it's that mountain that is preventing you from stepping into the nothing shall be impossible unto you anointing that's the mountain and if you'll if you'll speak to that thing oh hallelujah having faith as a grain of a mustard seed and and you can't just you've heard me say this before you can't just flip a switch and 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 now all of a sudden i've got faith faith is a fruit of the spirit 
It's a gift of the Spirit, but it's also a fruit of the Spirit. And so we accept what God has given to us as a gift, but then we have to allow the seed, which is the Word of God, to grow up in us as fruit, and that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. So we're, we're praying now, saying, God, give me the faith I need to remove this mountain that's standing in my path. Hallelujah. Some of you have believed lies that the devil has told you. And see, the devil's so clever that he has put that lie in the mouth of many influencers in your life. So, so it, it, I mean, from a school teacher that, that was just having a bad day and was susceptible to a lie that the enemy wanted you to believe and it, it flew out of their mouth before, before they realized it or a bully on the playground or a sibling who was just, who was, had their own insecurity and they, they let that lie get in their mouth and come against you. And so by the time you've got seven or eight different people throughout your life speaking the same lie, you start believing it. I rebuke that lie of the enemy in Jesus' name. And we speak against it in the name of Jesus. Open up your mouth and declare the word of life. This is why you must be surrendered to the word of God in prayer, in, re in, in rehearsing the word of God, studying the word, hearing the word, memorizing the word, obeying the word, teaching the word, letting the word of God balance you and refresh you so that you can believe the truth about yourself for a change. And it'll give you the power to speak against that mountain. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Even the stuff that you consider to be your weaknesses, God's going to use it for his glory. Even the stuff that you consider to be the part of you that you're just not all that uh, proud of, God's going to use it for his glory. Hallelujah. And so nothing shall be impossible unto you. But you really do have to speak to those mountains and, and let those mountains be cast into yonder place. Otherwise, you stay on this side of the impossible. And I want to talk a little bit about those impossible things. And we're going to, we're going to deal with those. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 1. Luke 17 verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible. It is impossible. But that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Hallelujah. Notice what he goes on to say in verse 5. The apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. He said, if you had faith, here it is, as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree. See, there are different kinds of obstacles in our path. The sycamine tree is a different kind of obstacle than the mountain. The mountain is, is, is something that is placed uh, uh, before you even realized it was there. And, and it, it's, it's on a rock. It actually has this very strong footing. Sycamine tree is placed by roots. The roots are so anchored, so deep. But he said, if you'll have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say into the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. So Jesus tells them, it is impossible that offenses won't come. Now, how many have lived for God long enough to know he's telling the truth? You didn't have to see it in red letters. I mean, that always helps. But, but you didn't need red letters to let you know that's the absolute truth. Somebody said that's the God's truth. Well, there you go. That's the God's truth. That's, that's the Lord's truth. That it is impossible that offenses won't come. They absolutely will come. You will not live a life. You cannot live a life. It is impossible to live a life where offenses do not come your way. They will come. They do come. They're going to come. You, can't, you can ask God, Lord, don't let any offenses come my way. And that's simply impossible. Offenses are going to come your way. But he said, woe unto him through whom they come. Now listen, if you're in the, if you're in the habit of, of being offensive to be offensive, you're on the wrong side of the equation. You're on the wrong side. Some people take pride in it. I mean, I, I, I speak my mind. You know, that's not all the time saying a whole lot. 
Yeah, it just isn't. I mean, we, I mean, we've all got a mind, and we can all speak it. It doesn't make what we're saying that much more valuable. You know, I, I'm not one of those people that says, well, I just speak my mind. You know why? Because there's so much in my mind not worth speaking, not worth giving voice to. No, I'm sorry. Not everything that comes into it is going to come out of it. So that's not going to happen because it's going to run through a filter. And that filter, it's not trepidation. It's not hesitation. It's not, it's not, it's not weakness. It's called temperance. It's called, Lord, let my word, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Well, I'll give you a piece of my mind. You know, you, some folks have given so many pieces of their mind. You know, we're only dealing with so big a pie here. I gave them a piece of my mind. 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 And you got like a third left. You got to be careful. You got to be a good steward of what you got left. Don't give them a piece of your mind. Give them peace of mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, people say, well, Jesus just said it plain. You know, Jesus taught these things called parables. And they weren't super plain. Only the spiritual understood them. In fact, in fact the, even the disciples came to him and said, okay, that was confusing. What's the seed? Who's the sower? What are the tares? What, 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 what is the wheat? What does that represent? What does that mean? It wasn't super plain. You want to know why? Because he was speaking to the soul and to the spirit of mankind. Hallelujah. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that, that offensiveness is not, it is not a quality of a Christian. Now, I'm not talking about being politically correct, but I am talking about being biblically correct. I am talking about being biblically correct. And, and we're, let's notice what the Bible says. The Bible says to, to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. How? With all long-suffering. And doctrine. See, a lot of people like to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with doctrine, but not long-suffering. And some people like to reprove, rebuke, exhort with long-suffering and not doctrine. But Paul said we have to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with long-suffering and with doctrine. It's called, he, he can summarize it by saying, speak the truth in love. Let me tell you, the truth is a, is a two-edged sword. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The truth is a, is a piercing instrument. And, and, and if you just, you know, you don't want to just take the truth out and lob it out into the middle of a crowd. And I remember we were, my, my nephew was a little, was a, a little boy, he's about a year and a half. And uh, we were all gathered together in a uh, uh, room as a family, several of us. We were at a convention. And uh, we had, we were eating uh, food and and there was a steak knife on one of the uh, tables and uh, little Joseph grabbed the steak knife and and nobody knew he had it and he threw it and we all saw that steak knife and it was like slow motion it was like for 45 seconds that thing hung in the air and we're moving and ducking and climbing under furniture hoping that thing doesn't fall on top of anybody in the, in the room, and that's the way the truth, some people are like that with the truth. They just grab the, the scriptures and just, yeah, there you go, and throw it out. No, no, this is a surgical instrument. People have to be anesthetized with grace in order for this to really get in and do what it's supposed to do. You know, there are some things, there are some things that are topical. They're topical. They're, they're, like, they're like lesions on the surface of the skin. You can see them and you can go to them and you can just remove them. You know, I, I've had a procedure like that and they didn't have to, they did a local anesthetic. It was real in and out, easy. Uh, but then there's other stuff that's not topical. Now, the symptoms may be topical, 
But the issue isn't topical. And it requires anesthesia. And it requires, it requires painstaking, long-suffering. Hallelujah. Just you gotta, you got to let somebody go down into, even when God performed surgery on Adam, he put him into a deep sleep and took from him a rib and made a woman. There are things that take time. And it is important with the word of God that we do that. Offensiveness is not a part of uh, now, now let, me, let me back up. Not fleshly offensiveness. And here, this is what I mean by the truth is a, is a sharp two-edged sword. There is enough offensiveness in the gospel as it is. The Bible refers to the offense of the cross. This thing conflicts with everything everybody believes. There's no reason to, to add our human offensiveness to it. There's no reason to add our fleshly offensiveness to it. There's no reason to add our personal pet peeve preferences. Well, I don't like it that way. And I can't stand people who, hmm. And I hate folks who, that, those don't, that doesn't ever need to come out of a child of God's mouth. How can we hate when we've been so loved, so deeply, deeply loved and yes, we can stand people who, because, because he, he stands for us. Hallelujah. Yes, we can stand people who have this issue or that issue. Yes, we can. We can stand when we've done all to stand. Stand! And preach and pray and love and guide and counsel and, and witness and, and reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. But offenses will come to you. Woe be to who they come. Don't will be to those from whom they come. Don't be a part of the offender crowd. He said, it is better for you that a millstone be hanged about your neck and you be cast into the sea. Folks, that, those are red letters. It is better for you if you have a millstone hanged about your neck, cast into the sea, than you should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now that word, just can I just throw this in there real quick, forgive. You know, we just, we just gloss over that word. That's a pretty powerful word. In fact, if you just invert it, it's give for. That's what forgive is, it's give for. When a person offends, they are, they are in debt. Immediately, they are in spiritual debt, and they cannot, they cannot, they do not have the power to release themselves of that debt. They become a debtor immediately. So, since they cannot give anything that will release them from that debt, you and I release them from the debt by giving for them. We give, they, they can't give themselves grace, so we give for or we forgive. That makes sense. So the word forgive literally means to lift. So they can't lift it off of themselves. It saddled them. It's on them. They've hurt you. They've transgressed you. They've trespassed against you. They can't, they can't do anything about that. All they can do is be sorry and hope that you'll give for them. And that's what we do when we say, I release you from, you, you, you don't owe me anything. Because you, know you know why you have to do that? They'll never be able to repay it. They can't, take, they, can't, they can't give you back what they took from you. It's spiritual. It's not, it's not tangible. It's, it's spiritual. They, they, don't know, they don't know where to put it back. They don't know where it is. It's, it's not something they can hold in their hands. It's like water, spilled water. You, you, can't, you can't go back and scoop it up and, 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 and put it back exactly the way it was. You have to simply give grace and give for they can't do it for themselves you have to give for them or forgive them thank the lord and if they do it and they and they you rebuke them and they repent and you know we've gotten away from that we've gotten away from that and we've got it we got it we've got to be we got to be grown up enough to handle this spiritual principle for somebody to come up to you and say listen i i need to talk to you about something um you hurt me I want to tell you something, folks. When somebody says that you hurt them, you hurt them. And let me tell you what you don't do when somebody says that you hurt me. You don't say, 
Whoa. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, you did. I mean, even if you, even if you didn't, you did. I've had people tell me uh, numerous times, I had no clue I hurt them. I had no clue I didn't mean to. I would, I, honestly, I would never do it intentionally. There's not a person in the world I would hurt intentionally. And I have hurt numerous people. You know, you know it's, it's challenging sometimes because, because people, ex, they, they, they expect something from you, from me. And, and, they, and they expect that. And, and there's no way we can live up to people's expectations. And when that expectation inevitably falls short, you've hurt them. And they're going to they're gonna feel that way. Give them the liberty to say, hey, I just need to tell you, I was, this hurt me, this wounded me. Don't, if, if you react like this, the problem is perpetuated. No, I didn't. You need to get a grip. You need to get a life. You need to grow up. I can't believe you. Or maybe you have all the right words, but then secretly let it fester. Can't believe they said I hurt them. Wow, they are super, super sensitive. No, in that moment, right then, right there, say, my brother, my sister, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I would never hurt you intentionally. I'm sorry that... That that happened, I'm sorry that I let that happen. Please forgive me. Folks, that's called growing in love, growing in grace, being fitly framed together. You, you grow together in the body of Christ. So there's a rebuke, there's a repentance. And, and you know what? Then you say, well, I'll forgive them now. But they did this to me five years ago. Jesus said... If they did it to you today. That's what Jesus said. If, 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 if somebody trespasses against you. And then you rebuke them. And they repent. And you forgive them. If they do it seven times in the same day. And we're holding on to stuff. Well, bless God. I forgave them ten years ago. Ain't happening again. Are you kidding me? Who are we serving? What would Jesus do? He told us not just what he would do, but what we should do. He said if you wake up in the morning and, and, and they trespass and you rebuke and they repent and you forgive. And then ten minutes later they trespass and you rebuke and they repent and you forgive. And then an hour later, they trespass and you rebuke and they repent and you forgive. And then three hours later, they trespass and you, you hear what I'm saying? And some folks are keeping track. We're at five. And it's 8 p.m. Don't you be messing around. 10 p.m. Uh-oh. We're at six. And you can't wait to get to seven. Because then once they get to eight, you're just going to let it all out. No, that's not what Jesus was saying. As a matter of fact, the disciples kind of thought that. He said, they said, well, we got seven times, right? And I don't know who they were talking about or what issue they were dealing with. But I'm imagining they were like, because he's at six. And Jesus said, 70 times seven. Throw your calculator away. Throw, throw your scorekeeping away. No, no, it's not about how many times. It's about constant forgiving, constant love, constant forgiving. And I'm going to tell you something. Now see, now see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Don't lose sight of any part of that process. Okay? Trespass, rebuke. See, a lot of times we want to, we, 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 we try to forgive without the rebuke, repent. See what I'm saying? So a person is never, they're not rebuked, so they, not, they don't actually repent. And then it does become difficult to forgive them. Forgiveness follows repentance, which follows rebuke. So, so a lot of folks are, they're trying to forgive, but they've never had those, those, those difficult rebuke exchanges. And Jesus said it's impossible 
that offenses won't come. So that's the impossibility. That's, that's, that's our flesh. That's the world. The impossibility always has to do with man. Remember, with men, this is impossible. But the, but the possibility always has to do with God. With God, all things are possible. So what is, in, what is impossible is that offenses don't exist. They do, and they're going to come. But what, but what is the, the miracle in it all is when we let the Lord instruct us as to how to handle them. Rebu- rebuke, repent, forgive. Rebuke, repent, forgive. Rebuke, repent, forgive. And, and that is the process by which offenses do end up ceasing. And people start loving and they start caring and they start paying attention to their words and they start paying attention to the way their actions affect other people. It's a part of growing in grace. I want to talk to you about another impossibility, and I'm, I'm going to hurry along here. I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm really just kind of skimming some of these topics, uh, but I want, to, I want to get into another impossibility. Uh, we might have to carry this over into another lesson, but, but I want to get into another impossibility. Hebrews chapter 6. I want to deal with this because I think sometimes people are people struggle. This is one of those verses of Scripture that just... Is really hard to swallow, you know. There's uh, um, there's some food that's that's it's dry, and you got to have like a big bottle of water to go with it. You know, like a peanut butter sandwich. You better have some milk with it. Uh, I was I, when I went to preach in Kokomo Sunday night at my home church. Uh, I got to the hotel and they had a big uh, box of cookies from Sister Huff, and. Uh, she and her granddaughter now makes them, and, and they had them in this, they had them in this container, and uh, and they're our favorite cookies at Christmas. They, the the Huff family still makes them for our family, and they make one for me and my brother and my sister, and we all have our own container. And whoever gets their last is out of luck, because I'll pillage their I'll pillage their cookie containers and hide mine, and vice versa. So, and you know, and you know who's always out of luck because whoever's late is the one who's out of luck. So, you know who's always, where are my cookies? That'll teach me. And, and, and then on the, on the top of it was a little note that said, uh, Brother Joel, the milk is in the fridge. See, you got to have milk to go down with certain, certain things, and that's the way this was in Hebrews 6 and 4. It is a tough scripture, and I want to try to help you tonight because it's an impossibility thing. The Bible says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. It's stuck right here, isn't it? You're kind of like, whoa, let me get a little something to drink here. No, I really am going to get a little something to drink. <laughs> just kind of just gets... It is impossible... His mercy endureth forever, but it is impossible. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, but it is impossible. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves a son of God afresh. And put him to an open shame. This is a tough scripture, but I want to, I want, we need to rightly divide it. And, and, and by doing that, we take into account the rest of the word of the Lord. And so first of all, I want to concentrate on that word, if they shall fall away. That's, the, that's one of the key uh, statements, if they shall fall away. Ladies and gentlemen, that's actually referring to apostasy. And, and notice that it comes after they were enlightened, enlightened, and tasted of the heavenly gift, made partakers of the Holy Ghost, tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away. There, I'm going to tell you, this is actually very difficult for people to do. 
because this isn't talking about backsliding. This isn't talking about people getting hurt, getting bitter, and, and, and having a hard time coming back to church. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about somebody struggling with sin. Somebody who's, who's got a temptation that is their mountain. And they just keep stumbling over it and stumbling over it. And, 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 and the vast majority of people who fall into the categories I just described, and there are several other categories, are people who know they're lost. Who know they're not right with God. Who know that they need to be in his presence and they need to be in his name and they need to be worshiping him. And they know, they know. And, and, and I, I contend, I contend that it is very few people, very few people who actually are enlightened, taste the heavenly gift, made partakers of the Holy Ghost, taste the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Very few actually from that ever go into apostasy. I, I, honestly, many, many uh, who, who you might look at and say, they're apostate, have either not been enlightened or they've not tasted of the heavenly gift or they've not tasted of the good word of God or they've not tasted of the powers of the world to come. And I'm not making excuses for them. I just know, I just know the, the vast majority of people I talk to who tell me that they don't believe in God after they describe the God they don't believe in. I don't believe in that God. I mean, they're describing God some terrible, awful, evil, horrible. No, I don't believe in that God either. That's not who died for me. That's not who raises me up every morning. That's not who is the lifter of my head. They've not been enlightened. They've not tasted of the good word of God. But there are some. There is this, there is, there is, there is a condition of falling away. Where a person will have experienced exactly what Hebrews 6 describes and they make a conscious decision. They want nothing to do with God. They turn on Him. They reject Him. They walk away from Him. They do not feel lost. They do not consider themselves to be in need. They, and, and, I, and you know what? I might even just stop there because I don't even think I'm qualified to describe the totality of that condition. The Bible doesn't describe the totality of that condition. It says if they shall fall away. And that means apostasy. Going into apostasy. So I, but I've, I've seen people who struggle with, well, you know, I, 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 I sinned. I made a mistake. I struggled with a particular temptation and I, and I can't seem to get my head above water. And they're, and they're seeking God and they're trying to find God and trying to make peace with God and they're wondering... If Hebrews 6.4 is talking about them, that they could never be renewed again unto repentance. And that's not the case. Now here, let me just, let me just explain to you. It is impossible. And I'm going to say this. Remember where the impossibilities lie. The impossibilities lie with men. When we're talking about God, we're talking about something totally different. And so I, I'll just say this. If a person has fallen away after having tasted the good word of God, tasted the powers of the world to come, made partakers of the Holy Ghost, tasted the heavenly gift, and, and have been enlightened, and they fall away, I'm still going to tell them, cry out to God. Still going to do it. I'm not going to tell them, there is no hope for you now. I'm going to say, let's go back to an altar. Let's call on his name. <sighs> you know why? You want to know why? Because I've got scriptural precedent. I, I, I'll tell you about a man who deliberately walked away from God. Said, I, I, you, you can take Tarshish and do your own thing with it. Or, or, or Nineveh and do your own thing with it. I'm going to Tarshish. I'm going to get on a boat and go my own way. And he walked away from God. He fell away from God. He deliberately walked. He knew what he was doing. He had horrible reasons for why he did what he did. He was cast into the sea. He was swallowed by a whale. And for what it looks like in Jonah chapter 2, he died there. 
And Jesus said as much because he said, no sign shall be given to this generation except that of the prophet Jonah. And the prophet Jonah was in the belly of a whale. And just like he was in the belly of a whale, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. So it looks a lot like Jonah died in the belly of a whale. And he did say, the bars of death have come past me about. I don't know what all happened there, but I do know that in whatever state of mind he was in, wherever, whatever, he cried unto God. And he repented in the whale's belly. And my God, who was faithful and just to forgive us our sins, commanded that fish to vomit Jonah on the dry ground. And I don't, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're dealing with a, a, a population of people in 2018 that are in the depths of despair and they've been swallowed up by the world that they joined themselves to but I see prodigal sons coming to themselves after having deliberately walked away from the father and saying I will rise and go to my father's house. I see Jonah's, hallelujah, being lifted up out of the whale's belly. And it's not a pretty situation. Don't get me wrong. It's not a pretty situation. But God is able with men, this is impossible. But with God. So, so no, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, let's call on his name. Let's call on his name. Well, what about Esau? Esau was a profane person and a fornicator. And God hated Esau, but he loved Jacob. And Esau looked for a place of repentance and could find no place, though he sought it carefully with tears. Folks, that had more to do with Esau than it did with God. Well, what do you, repentance, couldn't find a place of repentance. There are a lot of people who can't find a place of repentance. All repentance is is turning around. Esau, we see Esau every week. People who cry, 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 but can't find it in themselves to turn around. It's not that God isn't a forgiving God. It's not that God won't have mercy. It's not that God isn't faithful and just. He is faithful and just. His word says he's faithful and just. His word says that his mercy endures forever. His word says, hallelujah, that God will do it. It's not impossible with God. It's impossible with Esau. It's impossible with man. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because you know what? Let me just, let me just go ahead and, and, uh, and, and continue just a little bit. I'm coming to a close. Amen. We, uh, we're getting there. Coming to a close. Coming to a close. Now we're going to talk about how it's impossible for God to lie. But we're coming to a close. Amen. For the fourth time. If men, this is impossible, but with God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible. For God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Folks, it is impossible for God to lie. Somebody said, well, I thought with God all things were possible. In the fact that with him all things are possible, he has made it impossible for him to lie. If it comes out of his mouth, it is true. My God have mercy. It's impossible for him to lie. Now, now, I want you to understand what that means. That means that every promise is true. I want you to understand that every statement concerning the blood of Jesus Christ, it is true. 
Every statement, the eternal God is thy refuge. I love this scripture, and, and it's been coming to me so much lately. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Folks, it is absolutely true. It's more true than anything. It's more true than the ground I'm standing on right now. It's more true than the air I'm breathing right now. It's, it's the absolute truth. Underneath are the everlasting arms of God. So when the devil tells somebody, yeah, I, I'll tell you, it's impossible for a person who has fallen away. It is impossible in themselves to renew themselves again unto repentance. But I'm going to tell you that with God, see, it's impossible for him to lie. He can do it. He can reach way down and do it. He can reach into their prison cell and do it. He can reach into the prison of their mind and do it. He can reach into that scarred spirit and do it. He can reach down into that wounded heart, that broken mind. He can do it. I don't know who you've been praying for that you're getting closer and closer and closer to chalking off as an impossibility. But let me caution you right now and say, yes, I, I will tell you there are some impossible things, but they're all in the man category. But when you're talking about God, all things are possible. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo! Shut Come on, somebody. I need somebody to get a hold of it and believe it and flee to it for refuge and let it be a hope as an anchor for the soul. Let it be a hope as an anchor for the soul. Which hope we have as an anchor. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and praise him right now. Come on, lift your hands and praise him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, precious God. Thank you, precious God. Thank you, precious God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Bless his name. Come on, bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Come on, let that hope anchor you right now. Let that hope anchor you right now. You know what's happening right now? There is hope that's flooding this house in the name of Jesus. I don't know what prayer you've been praying, what requests you've been making to God, what supplication you've been bringing before the throne, but before you give up hope, you hear the word of the Lord, grab a hold of it, and say, I'm going to have hope in my spirit. I'm going to hold on to hope as an anchor for the soul. Hallelujah. You know, one of the biggest challenges that we have is, is we don't mind believing that God can. It's that impossibility of man we're worried about. It's that impossibility of man. If you're, dealing with, if you're dealing with somebody who's got a stubborn spirit, oh, you're intimidated by the impossibility that man presents. I know God is willing. It's them. You're right. You're right. God is willing, but it's them. I know that God would do it, but it's them. It's their rebellion. It's their stubbornness. It's their hard-headedness. It's their unwillingness to forgive. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to throw this out there. I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost right now. God can still do it. And I release you in the name of Jesus from that intimidation of the enemy. I release you right now in the name of Jesus from that intimidation every time you go to your knees and pray and the devil throws it up in your face that they'll never change because it doesn't matter what God does. They have to receive it. They have to have a choice. It's up to them. In the name of Jesus, I speak to that mountain and I tell that mountain to be cast into yonder place because we're moving into a new dimension. We're moving into a dimension where nothing shall be impossible. Where nothing shall be impossible. Where nothing shall be impossible under you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to bring that most difficult unsaved loved one and lift them up before the Lord right now. I want you to bring that most difficult circumstance and lift it up to God right now. Say, God, I know with men this is impossible. I need you to cover it with your blood right now. You are my hope. You are my hope. You are my hope, oh God. You are my hope, oh God. 
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Woo, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You are my hope, Lord. You are my hope, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yes. You are my hope, Lord. Woo, glory. Come on, somebody. Let it happen right now in the name of Jesus. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Thank you, Jesus. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm Oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord, fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. This is how I fight my battles. Yes, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. Thank you, Lord. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, that's it. This is how I fight my Yeah, 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 Lord. This is how I fight my battles. My God. This is how I fight my battles. Thank you, Lord. Fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yeah, Lord. But I'm...